Just a heads up, today's episode is a conversation about intimacy within marriage. There's a lot of advice floating around out there for us as Catholic women when it comes to our marriages and our motherhood. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of that advice tends to be pretty conflicting. It seems like every time that I log on to Instagram, there's a conversation about who said what about marriage, mothering, making love, and what the Catholic Church says or doesn't say on that topic. Finding answers in that kind of environment can be pretty intimidating. After all, who do you trust and what's the truth? Where do we go for answers to questions like what kind of pleasure is allowed when we make love to our spouse? How do we use natural family planning to discern adding a new child to our family? What is a serious circumstance to avoid having another baby? And what do you do when you and your spouse aren't on the same page when it comes to a desire to grow a family? Hey there. Welcome to Letters to Women. This is a podcast where we explore and embrace what St. Pope John Paul II calls the feminine genius, this unique strength and dignity that we have as women and what growing in that looks like in our daily lives. My name's Chloe Linger. I'm a Catholic wife and mom living here in Kansas City, and I'm hitting record on these conversations during my toddler's nap times and bedtimes. And there is a very good chance that you're going to hear the dishwasher running and my three-year-old screaming at the top of her lungs because we recorded this episode in the evening of Ada, my one-year-old's birthday, and all the girls are experiencing some major sugar crashes and giving Joseph a run for his money during bedtime. Today, I had the honor of sitting down with Kimberly Hahn. She is such a wealth of knowledge. And has a beautiful gift of approaching topics that don't get talked about enough with such reverence. And she's been through every season of motherhood and been married to her husband, Scott, for over 40 years. And she's also steeped in scripture and so knowledgeable when it comes to what Christ and his church have to say about intimacy and sexuality. I've been looking forward to recording this episode for months now, ever since reading and praying through Kimberly's new Bible study, Beloved and Blessed. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. If you have questions about intimacy in your marriage and you want answers, sister, this letter, it's for you. A quick note, Kimberly came on the podcast back in June of last year. And in that episode, she really dove into her story as a convert to Catholicism and the way that she lives out her feminine genius. So today's podcast is hyper-focused on intimacy and discernment in marriage. So if you want to get to know Kimberly's story first um, and, and hear her reflections on the feminine genius, check out the link in the show notes for that episode from the archives. Today's episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by The Little Catholic Box. The Little Catholic Box is a quarterly subscription box for Catholic women. Each quarter, Erica, the owner, curates unique and beautiful Catholic items around a spiritual theme. It is a delight to be a subscriber. I love getting this box in the mail. And I love how much it is a blessing to artists and creators and small businesses whose items are featured in these boxes. New subscription signups are currently closed, but you can get on the waitlist now for when they open back up in June. Join the subscription waitlist at thelittlecatholicbox.com slash letters, and also check out this month's Letters to Women bonus. They offer something different each month for Letters to Women listeners, so head to thelittlecatholicbox.com slash letters to see what this month's bonus is. Be sure to check out thelittlecatholicbox.com slash letters each month for a new bonus for Letters to Women listeners. Now, here is my conversation with Kimberly. Today, I'm welcoming Kimberly Hahn back to the show. Kimberly is a Catholic speaker and an author who, for decades, has shared her wisdom with other wives and mothers. Married to Scott for more than 40 years, they have six children and 21 grandchildren. And after homeschooling for 26 years, Kimberly now serves as the counsel at large in Steubenville, Ohio, and hosts the St. Paul Center podcast, Beloved and Blessed. Kimberly, welcome back to Letters to Women. Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. <laughs> so you joined me on the podcast last June, and we talked about ordering our lives as Catholic women. 
And since then, that's a conversation that thousands of women have listened to. You shared your story as a Catholic woman. And we also talked about graced and gifted biblical wisdom for the homemaker's heart. Beautiful Bible study where you drew from Proverbs 31 to teach how relationships are key to homemaking. Today, we're going to be talking about a new Bible study, Beloved and Blessed, and that gives answers to questions that I think so many of us have as Catholic women today around topics like intimacy and marriage and what it means to be a responsible parent. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired Beloved and Blessed and what can we learn from revisiting Proverbs 31 as wives and moms when it comes to intimacy with our spouse and with the Lord? Right. So, if, if relationships are key to homemaking, the very core relationship of the family is, is your marriage. By the grace of God, he brings you together as a couple, and we are both beautifully and wonderfully made, and we are made very differently. It, it's quite a process to learn how to live together and to love each other in very ordinary, everyday ways. Intimacy is one of those things that at first just seems to click very easily. And especially when you've saved yourself for marriage, you really have that freedom to to love each other in ways that you were not free before. And along with that comes this tremendous opportunity that the two of you in becoming one, as my husband says, is so real that nine months later, you might have to give it a name. It is a way in which we reflect the community of persons in the triune God. And of course, God didn't create us because he was bored, because he thought it it would be amusing. I mean, there's no reason other than just the pure graciousness of grace that out of this communion of life-giving love and life-loving givers, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit called man and woman into being, made them uniquely in his image. And then he gives this profound command that is both a command and a blessing. You've got in verse 28, God bless them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that creeps upon the earth. You know, after he's made all the various kingdoms of creation and then crowned them with the animals that will rule all of those realms, he then makes man and woman as the king and queen of creation and calls them into this very unique union where they can imitate our Lord. Our God is three persons in one union, and we are two persons, but as our as our union then produces a third person in the family, we are reflecting in some way this communion that God himself has within himself. And it, it's just such a beautiful truth. It's interesting because I've been reflecting a lot more of on this post-COVID. I was really surprised to read a report that unlike many other calamities, floods, earthquakes, you know, blizzards, they will often uh, publish in the paper articles about nine months later, there's this huge increase of babies. You know, the people, whether they were you know, just bored or they got more time together than normal or, or it was just a, a very happy outcome, that they're, they tend to have blizzard babies or earthquake babies or, you know, tsunami babies, all this kind of stuff. But with COVID and people were intensely in the home with each other, you know, hours and hours and hours a day, night and day, they have found the very opposite, that actually our population has not been growing. And I think it's a reflection on the fear factor at the moment. 
and and it's a real call to us to go back to the core beliefs that we have that we our confidence is not in our being able to control the future our confidence is the one who knows the future and we can't know it and so just as adam and eve had no idea what could happen as a consequence we have no idea what could happen as a consequence of being open to life but we can trust him that he has a plan and my hope is that we will talk more about being open to life with each other it isn't just catholic teaching it's a way of living our marriage very deeply very vulnerably and very beautifully and babies don't always come but they often do and it it is a a joy and a privilege to be able to be open to our lord and open to our spouse and fully receiving each other in this act of marriage I love how in the first part of, of this book and this Bible study, you talk about a lot of the challenges that couples may face as they're being vulnerable with each other. They're opening up to each other in this in this marital intimacy. And those challenges could be anything from spiritual to physical to interpersonal or psychological. And, and one that stuck out to me as I was reading was the spiritual challenges that, that couples can face when they're wondering, is pleasure something that's allowed in my marriage? Could you talk a little bit about what scripture and the Catholic Church, but then also like you're talking about this way of life, it, it, teaching about pleasure for both men and women within marriage. And, and what does that look like in comparison to what the world is offering us when it comes to intimacy in marriages? Right. Because really the way the world looks at it, it's what can I get? How can you perform to meet my needs? And we really come at it almost the completely opposite. How can I give myself more fully to you? How can I let you know that I am really receiving you? And I think it goes back to the idea that sex is not something that sinful man came up with, okay? It was actually a gift from God from the very beginning. He gave that gift of marital sexuality. At the same time, we're to honor him in what we do with our bodies. I remember um, talking to a, a young Catholic wife before I was a Catholic, and she said, she brought up the topic of masturbation, and she said, you know, sometimes my husband isn't satisfied enough, and he's really struggling with masturbation, but if we're married, and we're basically meeting each other's needs, that's probably okay, isn't it? And I just looked at her and said, no, because that is that is seeking pleasure for pleasure's sake, as opposed to expressing love. And, and I said, that is actually sinful. And sperm is only to go in your wife where it could be fruitful. So all of the other forms of sex are not permitted. And it's really important that we're honest about that. So just because you're married doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Um, along those lines, I think people have really misunderstood whether or not pornography can be a part of the marital bed. And I had a woman out in California that said, you know, I'm not comfortable with it, but I think it's allowed. She said, my husband wanted me to look at some films and so it could improve our sex life. And I just looked at her and I said, what you're doing is you're being aroused by someone you're not married to and then using each other to satisfy that urge. I, I said, that, that is quasi-adultery. That is not right. And, and really, don't throw, the, you know, don't throw the pornography away. Destroy it. Because if you just throw it away, someone may dig it out of the trash and tell him you will never look at that again and, and that this is something really, really not 
right? Is it okay to enjoy pleasure in in our physical embrace? And it absolutely is. If you read through the Song of Solomon, for instance, it talks about that yearning and longing and, and satisfying one another. There are beautiful proverbs that talk about delighting in the wife of your youth. And that's not just meaning only when she's young. You know, that means really knowing and loving each other. My dad said an amazing thing to me several years ago. My parents are still alive. They've been married 65 years. And I think it was two or three years ago, he said to me, you know, our sex life has never been better. And he said, because I know her better. I know her better. And that's actually the way that scripture talks about the act of marriage. Eve knew Adam and conceived you know, a son. It, this is where it is the antithesis of this sex-driven culture that I want to stand up and shout and say, you know, as a, as a virgin when I got married, I've been married 42 years to the same man. I'm telling you, you don't have a clue what sex is about. <laughs> I mean, because it isn't about what position you're in and it isn't about how long something lasts or how short it is. It, it's about giving yourself to your spouse. Now, at the young mom stage, we need some reminders. And and my mom, who is this very, very private, intensely private person, I know it took her a lot to muster up the courage to say it. And she led with, I don't want any details. But she said, because she knew we had two or three little ones at the time, she just said, I want to know, are you and Scott making love regularly? Because she said, I think it is a ministry to your spouse. And I just said yes. And then we just moved on in the conversation. (laughs) But it was a commitment that he and I made to each other, that it wasn't going to be based on whether or not you were in the mood or whether or not you planned it out. It was, I want to make a commitment to making love to you. And it actually was very powerful. And again, I'm not going to go into details, but when Scott became Catholic and I was not Catholic, we had, we felt such intense disunity. It was really a struggle to talk about the Lord at all because (laughs) everything now was sounding Catholic and it was Catholic to him and it was offensive to me. And we made a commitment to make sure that we made love regularly. In that marital embrace, we experienced the unity that we knew was true in our marriage and that somehow or another, the Lord would get us through this time of disunity in terms of our our commitment to each other. I mean, our commitment to the Lord and the church. And I think there are times where people have used the act of marriage as a way of continuing an argument. And it, it really is a balance where you have to figure out, have we, do we need to talk about our day a little bit before we enter the marital bed? You know, can we catch up with each other? Or, you know, if a husband really wants to make love and it's been a, a tough day on top of a tough night for his wife, maybe what he could do is say, hey, why don't I play with the kids for an hour and you just go take a shower and you have time to prepare yourself to enter into the act of marriage. We tease a lot that there, there isn't just foreplay, but there's forework. And one of the greatest things I think, you know, is if Scott goes and cleans the garage or says to me, do you need anything from the grocery store? And I just look at him and say, ah, forework? And he's like, yes. <laughs> And, you know, I've talked to some families where they were 
they were raised in homes that were open to life, but the act of marriage was more, they approached it more like a duty and they, it really was not tender. It wasn't, it wasn't caring. And, and once they couldn't have children anymore, all sex stopped. They maybe even got into separate bedrooms. And the goal is not simply producing children. And we, we don't want to reduce the act of marriage to that. At the same time, it is the primary end of the act of marriage. And when you hear conversations about people's frustration because their contraception failed, you know, and they're you know, demanding in these legislatures that are considering having abortion laws place Roe v. Wade if Roe v. Wade gets, take, you know, turned over. It, it just, I just find it crushing because they have everything absolutely inverted. And our hearts are first open to our spouse, and then they're second open to life, to say, God, I trust your plan. Now, one of the things that I talk about in Beloved and Blessed is that there are real reasons for using natural family planning. This is not, if you lack the faith to be open to life, you can use NFP. I do believe that used properly, NFP can strengthen your marriage, and it's a gift from the church for serious reasons. But sometimes we don't talk about serious reasons. For instance, you know, really wanting to go to Europe for your anniversary. You have to ask, is that a serious reason? But it is up to the couple to decide. And the serious reasons can be physical, they can be spiritual, they can be emotional, they can be financial. And not only that, it is both spouses assessing that. So it's not enough for the wife to say, I don't want to be open to life, so therefore we won't be. Or the man, they need to talk it through. They need to hear each other's hearts. They need to pray about it. And then I think the biblical basis for that is 1 Corinthians 7. And then they should not give an opportunity to the evil one, but come back together when they can, as soon as they can. And it's always with that understanding that if God has a better plan, I want my heart ready, ready to receive that, ready to embrace that child. And, and every child deserves to be loved from the beginning, you know, to be embraced as this incredible gift that our love has somehow or another created. I think too this reminder that it's a joint discernment that it's a it's something mm -hmm. that a couple discerns together and I think that's so helpful as a reminder for couples who may be mismatched when it comes to when they want to have another baby or how that baby enters their family for this to be something where they're discerning it together but then ultimately discerning it with the Lord too um, and aligning yes. their wills to his will for the family and that's something that's hard to discern especially I think too when it's a month-to-month -month discernment with a woman's cycle or god oh, this is getting brought up over and over again which is good <laughs> i can't it avoid is. that conversation you know and it, it's a discussion for another time but i i have another book called life-giving love where i really unpack the church's teaching on all this and when we first got married i mean my dad who married us he was a presbyterian pastor he, all he said was are you do you know what kind of contraception you're going to use? I said, I'm on the pill. And he was like, well, as your dad, I probably have some concerns, but as your pastor, that's fine. Let's move on. Case closed. And when we, when I came to a conviction of the church's position on openness to life and convinced Scott, and I realized it was month to month because we initially switched from contraception to NFP and then we're just 
open to life down the road. But I mean, all acts open, you know, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And um, I had no idea how much I desired him when I was ovulating. Yes. And so it was like, oh my goodness, why are we waiting? Like, you know, do we need to wait? I mean, maybe we just throw caution to the wind. We just trust God, you know? <laughs> I mean, and you, I just couldn't believe how I did not even tune into my body before then. Because you just put it in or put it on or take it every day. And wow, that was, that was a revelation. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, would, I would love to sit down all night with you and chat about intimacy. The, the one question that I have before I have, have you share where people can pick up a copy of this book is that I think intimacy is often seen as a taboo topic. Like the fact that we're just sitting around talking about intimacy and sex within our marriage, I think is something that a lot of women crave in conversation, both with their spouse, but then also within their community. Do you have recommendations for ways to foster healthy conversations about sex with with each other as spouses in marriage but then how do we have conversations about sex and intimacy with good friends that we trust while still respecting the fact that that sex is sacred in our marriages yeah well i think one caution is that um if your spouse was there would you be comfortable saying what you're saying so maybe you make it more about your own concerns or your own, you know, how, how do I adjust to being vulnerable naked when I have all this extra weight from having the baby or I've got stretch marks or maybe I had a C-section and, and so you're looking for words of wisdom from fellow travelers, but you're not really revealing something intimate about your spouse. I do think it would be great if it's a medical issue to find a good doctor. And maybe maybe that's how you could ask a friend, do you have any recommendations? Because we have some medical issues I'd like to explore. And you don't have to go into detail about what those are. I think if you can talk in general principles, you don't tend to reveal too much. Because I do think there needs to be an honoring of those details and honoring of your spouse in that way. And also when your children become adult children, you know, not being overly specific. And sometimes I think in a way of humor, people will say things that just aren't appropriate. I like the generalness and the honoring of the of the story, but I think that question that you led with is, is my is my spouse would they be comfortable sitting in on this conversation is such a good mm-hmm. way to reveal where your heart is in that conversation. Sometimes I will I will be vague, but if there's someone who's getting married, I might make a couple recommendations. Take a bottle of wine with you, get a tube of KY jelly take your time. I mean, really, that's one of the blessings of the of the time of honeymoon is that you're doing something new and different and to to take time to really enjoy each other. And you've got to talk. <laughs> you've got to, you know, and, and we don't always understand ourselves either. I think women are more complex than men. I mean, we have this cycle and we can be, you know, it's different at different times of your cycle. In the Old Testament, it was forbidden to ever have sexual intercourse on your period. That's a ceremonial type law, but that was just one thing that I said to Scott, I really do not prefer to make love when I'm on my period. And he just honored that. Now, I'm not saying that's a rule or a law that people need to to have, but I just didn't feel 
you know, it, it just, yeah, it was, I, I think it's important to go ahead and say those things and, and to communicate. I'll tell you one thing, when I had my first, someone else had a baby in the congregation. And so I was kind of looking at the time frame of six weeks. And uh, so I, I casually said to her, so did you have your six week checkup? And she said, yes. And I said, so you looking forward to things getting back to normal? I mean, that's, sort of the euphemistic way of saying, you know, getting things back together. And she said, I am. But she said, when I went home, I told my husband I was free to make love. He said, when you lose the last five pounds off your hips, I'll be able to get into it. I I could still slug that guy if he walked through the door. I was so upset because I will tell you what my husband said. And I, I had extra weight. I had stretch marks and I also had a C-section. I've had all sections. And what he said when he caught me without my clothes on, you know, and saw me in all my glory, he said, your body says to me, you have loved me enough to bear my children. And he says, he thinks my, because now I've had sections up and down as well as side to side. <laughs> the doctor, when he, he had to get the baby out very quickly, and he just said, just try to think of it like an anchor. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's what I want. But Scott says, I think they're going to be on your resurrection body because I think those are wounds you have borne for Christ. Oh, my gosh, Kimberly. Isn't that a beautiful perspective? Yeah. Ah, that's, yes. Oh, that's so good and holy. Oh, my goodness. That's beautiful. I love how you shared these and, and many other stories in your in, in Beloved and Blessed Biblical Wisdom for Family Life. And where can listeners pick up a copy and where can they connect with you online to get to know you better? Yeah. So um, the St. Paul Center, if they go to the stpaulcenter.com, uh, the book's available there. And um, also they could sign up to get the podcast Beloved and Blessed, which I would love for them to tune in. Um, it's just a once a week podcast. It's free. And I'm sure it can be found on Amazon as well. Both are named the same thing, even though I have other books named other things. But yeah, Beloved and Blessed is the, the name of the podcast. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time and for I, I love sitting down and, and learning from you. So thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Chloe. You're so welcome. God bless you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Letters to Women podcast. You can check out the show notes for my conversation with Kimberly on my website, letterstowomenpodcast.com, or just scroll down in your podcast player for links to purchase Beloved and Blessed, Kimberly's book, and how to subscribe to Kimberly's weekly podcast of that same name. You'll also find the link to the Little Catholic Box so you can check out their waiting list and make sure you use that link for Letters to Women listeners so that you get the bonus for each month. If you were nodding along in solidarity as you listen to toddlers going crazy in the background of this audio, you'll love nap time notes. That's my monthly newsletter that I eep out during those precious coordinated nap times. Each month I share what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, my favorite thrift store finds, and tiny changes that are making some big differences in our life here around the Linger House. You can subscribe on my website or check out that link in the show notes. If the conversations that you hear on the Letters to Women podcast are something you recommend to a friend and you're an Apple listener or you listen on Spotify, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. I love reading through those reviews because they help 
help me get to know what's resonating with you as a listener, but they also help me plan future episodes. If you know a woman who would love listening to this conversation that I've just had with Kimberly, could you send it to her? Maybe a friend is getting married this summer and and some of those topics about intimacy and maybe parenting have come up in conversation with her and this could be a great resource. Or maybe you've talked about some of these subjects with women in your small group or your mom's play group and this could be a really great way to continue those conversations. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes, including that fun series that I have coming up in the summer about friendship with women in your life. I'm also going to include in the show notes a link to my new book, Sisterhood, Giving and Receiving the Gift of Friendship that's being published by Our Sunday Visitor. That comes out on May 2nd, but you it is available for pre-order now on Amazon. Um, and then also, if you are an e-reader, I, I like the old-fashioned smell of a book. But if you're an e-reader, you actually can access the book right now. You don't even have to wait till May 2nd. So there's a link for that in the show notes as well. That is all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid.